Good morning, everyone. Welcome and thank you for attending today's presentation, where Ubashni and I will be presenting Adevintas Q2 results and progress. We are pleased to report another strong set of results in the second quarter. We will also take this opportunity to update you on the progress we have made this quarter on our project to verticalize Adevintas operations, as well as our exciting project to converge our generalist platforms into one global platform starting with Le Banquin and Clan Ashni and I will be joined by the rest of the Adeventa executive team for the Q&A session. Before we start, Ubashni will be stepping down as CFO of Adeventa at the end of the day. I would like to thank her again for her tremendous contribution over the last four years in building the new Adeventa. Overall, we deliver once again a strong financial performance with 14% revenue growth for our core markets. EBDM margin was very strong at 38%, up three percentage points year on year, despite the business mix evolution, the impact of French DST and higher share-based compensation impact. This has resulted in strong cash generation, allowing us to further deleverage the business and to pay down debt again this quarter, mitigating some of the impact of rising interest rates. This strong set of results position us well to reach the top end of the previously announced financial targets for the full year. We continue to lay the foundations for stronger, even more efficient and innovative organization, and we are making good progress in the verticalization of our operations. We have also started to work on the convergence of generalist platforms, starting with Le Boncoin and Clarence Sagan. At the same time, we continue to focus on the day-to-day -day delivery of our operations with significant product and commercial achievements in our key strategic pillars while maintaining financial discipline. Before I go the details of our convergence project, I would like to remind you of Adevinta's key strengths and why we are well equipped to capture significant business opportunities in the future. We have leading platforms with unique traffic liquidity and content for both C2C and B2C and love and trusted European local brands. We have a resilient business model with high profit margin and steady cash flow generation. We see a large untapped potential in transactional services in, the, in key and in key verticals. We have a strong purpose which is clearly geared towards sustainable commerce. And of course, we have dedicated and experienced teams with around three quarters of sales and tech profiles, including more than 2,600 product and tech talents. All these teams have a strong willingness to change, to contribute, and to transform Adelinda. Fully unlocking Adelinda's potential and delivering more value to all our stakeholders is the reason why we have initiated our operational transformation with verticalization and convergence to a common generalist platform. This will allow us to better to maintain our leadership position in classified in Europe, benefit from world-class capabilities supported by a single platform for generalists, reduce duplication of effort and benefit from scale, and provide our users and customers with best-in-class products and solutions while reducing time to market. Our ambition is to leverage the best from our generalist platforms by converging them into one global Adelinta Generalist platform 
to reduce the duplication of effort and simplify our platform landscape. Above all, we want to provide our users with the best products in all our geographies. Our global generalist platform will be supported by specialized capabilities from our vertical marketplaces. We have initiated convergence work with the most advanced platforms in our portfolio, Le Bon Coin and Cloud and Dragon. Everything we do is based on capabilities that already exist. We are optimizing what we have at hand, bringing together the best of both worlds. At the same time, we continue to focus on the day-to-day -day running of our business with significant innovative products introduced in the quarter across our marketplaces. Our top priority is to deliver value to our users and customers. In mobility, we continue to enhance our offering for users. At Le Bon Coin, with the launch of cash purchase that enables private sellers to simplify and to accelerate the process of selling a car to a professional. At Mobile, with the integration process for digital payments for our private sellers. In real estate, in Spain, international users can now see translate, translation for of description in the Photocasa app details in multiple languages. In transactional services at Le Bon Coin, we introduced shop-to-shop -shop by Chronopost for all eligible categories, while the buy now option is now opted in at Klanantagen and Marplatz. Those are only a few examples, but there are many offers and others. Three months into rebounding to Klanantagen, all metrics are on track and in many cases performing above our expectations. The rebrand has been received very well by our users, our traffic and brand metrics continue to perform well, and thanks to a very smooth migration to clanonsagon.de, our new domain is already ranked number six for SEO visibility in Germany. In the rebranding launch month of May, we reached an all-time high of 60 million monthly active users, demonstrating the high-level interest of our new brand. Overall, activity continues to trend upward on our main platforms with traffic growing year on year, demonstrating the strength of our brands. Le Bon Coin shows an impressive performance with visits up by 12% compared to last year. In Clan and Sagan, visits are up 2% year on year despite the rebranding and domain change, which is estimated to have impacted traffic by almost 4%. Mobile traffic has returned to positive year-on-year growth following the car market trend. Now let's dig into our two key verticals, starting with mobility. While the new car supply is showing signs of recovery, we expect the recovery in dealer inventory and used car transactions to be progressive versus the new car volume recovery. As a result, global supply volumes remain weak for the time being, well below pre-pandemic levels. In Germany, the total number of listings increased by 14% year-on-year, driven by an increased new listing and lower demand for cars, resulting in an increase in the time, to, in the time it takes to sell a car. In France, the total number of listings increased by 3% in the second quarter, positively influenced by an increase in the time to sell. However, 
the current lack of orders registered by dealers could have an impact on the used car market and the total number of listings in the coming months. At the same time, we are implementing commercial initiatives such as price increases alongside product enhancement and increased added value for customers. In Mobile, we have successfully implemented a new price adjustment in April 2023, which has resulted in an average dealer price increase of around 15% with no reduction in dealer satisfaction. This has led to increased monetization with average revenue per lead up 14% year on year. Meanwhile, Mobile continues to innovate in the space of leasing, financing, C2B, and more. In the quarter, average revenue per dealer in France has increased by 12% year on year. The overall macro environment continues to be challenging with inflation and rising interest rates, low consumer confidence, ultimately affecting the property market with consequences of the number of listings available on our platform, although to different degrees in France and Germany, largely due to the different market positions we hold. In France, professional listings increased by 9% near-near, driven by a slowdown in the number of transactions, which can be explained by the rise of in interest rates and the tightening of credit access conditions on the demand side for all properties. We continue to improve our monetization. ARPA increased by 19% year-on-year, which continue to benefit from the successful launch of enhanced subscription packages in September with high added value for professional clients. In Germany, professional listings continue to show impressive growth up 120% year-on-year. This is explained by the market dynamics where the demand for houses for sale is decreasing significantly and shifting partly towards houses for rent due to the current economic situation. As a consequence, professional listings stay longer on our platform. The second driver is our gain in market share and increased agents' penetration. The number of professional clients increased 15% year-on-year to 10,000. We still have a lot of room to grow in real estate, and we are making sure that we continue to bring further value to agents, ultimately leading to increased monetization. In transactional services, we continue to see very strong and very strong traction in product adoption with strong double-digit growth in all markets and even triple-digit growth at Clan and Sagan. During the quarter, we had a strong promotional activity with the testing of a new shipping promotion in France and also a shipping promotion on Clan and Sagan as part of the rebranding, which had a positive impact on both the number of transactions and the adoption of the service. In the quarter, we, we also continue to improve and to launch new products in all our core markets with, for example, the introduction of the mixed payment with both wallet and credit card and the bundle discount at Le Bon Point and the introduction of price consideration screen at Markplatz. I will now hand over to Vashni for the financial performance section. Thank you, Antoine, and good morning, everyone. As Antoine outlined earlier, our financial performance for the second quarter was very strong. This was underpinned by double-digit growth across the core business with excellent performance at mobila.de. Cost discipline and delivery on key initiatives across the group more than offset the impacts from the evolving business mix 
and the French DST, resulting in improved margins and strong cash flow generation. Group revenues grew 12% compared to last year to 465 million euros. The 12% growth references comparable revenues. This means that we restated revenues for the markets that we exited between last year and this quarter, which included Belarus and Mexico. Turning our focus to core markets, revenues grew 14%. Online classifieds revenue improved by 17%, supported by continued outstanding performance and growth in mobility. Real estate posted double-digit growth in the period, with France and Kleinanzeigen leading the way. Jobs were slightly positive with steady performance in Spain, despite lapping tougher comparisons. Transactional revenues grew 53% year-on-year, with strong revenue growth in all our core markets. Advertising revenues, on the other hand, were down 6% year-on-year as a result of an overall weaker advertising market, especially in the automated display advertising. The domain switch at Planenzeigen also had a negative impact due to our advertising partners needing to adjust our, to our new URLs. As expected, we saw a slight drop on revenue over a certain time period. Fully, we fully recovered within the first weeks of the rebranding. Moving to EBITDA. Reported EBITDA at 177 million euros was up 21% year on year, representing a 38% margin. This performance was driven by the positive top line evolution as outlined earlier, lower marketing spend across markets on the back of measured spend and different phasing, this despite the higher spend we saw in Kleinanzeigen and Mobile.de. Overall discipline and prioritized spend across controllable cost categories and a two million benefit from a one-off hosting cost credit. This positive outcome was partially offset by an anticipated controlled increase in personnel and other costs, including transactional costs. The increase in personnel costs was in two areas. Firstly, as we previously announced, the resources built up ahead of implementation of our new operating models for support functions and product and technology teams. And secondly, the annualization of the previous year's investment in product enhancement teams and in sales and customer support operations, particularly in the legacy ECG businesses, to support business opportunities and top-line growth. As also mentioned, we had a higher level of share-based compensation. Finally, the 3 million euro expense booked in the quarter that related to French DST also impacted our profitability. Excluding this DST impact, EBITDA improved 23% to 180 million euros compared to the second quarter of 2022. I will now provide some more detail on the different markets, beginning with France. Revenues in France grew 9% in the quarter. Online classifieds grew 8% year-on-year, driven by real estate and mobility. Real estate double-digit growth continued to benefit from the successful launch of enhanced subscription packages in September 2022, delivering high added value for professional clients. We saw a 19% year-on-year average revenue per agent increase. Mobility revenues grew in the quarter, was, or growth in the quarter was due to increase in the average revenue per dealer, up 12% year-on-year, following the annual price increase. 
advertising revenues were down 11% compared to last year. We saw the ongoing impacts of reduced activity from media agencies and programmatic. Transactional revenue, on the other hand, was up 40% year-on-year on the back of volume growth. Reported EBITDA was 64 million euros, slightly down year-on-year. The positive top-line evolution and lower marketing expenses over the period were offset by, one, a 3 million euro charge for the DSD as previously mentioned. This was not in place in Q2 last year. An increasing direct transactional cost year-on-year. Importantly, though, the improved delivery pricing structure, supplier mix, and the introduction of new solutions had a positive impact on the margin, partially offsetting the impact of higher transactional volume. And finally, we saw a slight increase in personnel costs due to investments in product and tech development. The reported EBITDA margin deteriorated accordingly by 4.5 percentage points year-on-year, but improved by 4.3 percentage points based on the previous quarter or compared to the previous quarter. EBITDA, excluding DSD, improved 4% compared to the second quarter of 2022. The EBITDA margin, excluding DSD, deteriorated by 2.2 percentage points year-on-year, mainly reflecting the evolving business mix with an increased share of transactional services and a decreasing share of the highly profitable advertising revenues. Moving on to Mobila, we saw revenues improve by 29% in the second quarter of 2023. Online classified revenues and value-added services increased by 33% year-on-year, once again driven by the recovery in dealer listing, the successful implementation and execution of dealer price increases of 15% on average in April, with no drop in dealer satisfaction and strong upsell performance we've seen in the business. Average revenue per dealer listings increased by 14% year-on-year. Revenues from private sellers also posted a strong performance in the quarter, supported by higher C2C average price per listing and C2B average revenue per user. Advertising revenues decreased by 13% compared to the previous year as a result of the current market context and the consequential reduced levels of advertising spend by OEM. EBITDA improved by 46% in the quarter, mainly driven by the positive top-line development and operating leverage. This was partly offset by an increase in personal costs as a result of the annualization of our investments in product enhancements and in sales and customer support operations teams. Marketing expenses also increased in the quarter, driven by a marketing campaign focused on our leasing offering. Accordingly, the EBITDA margin improved by 6.7 percentage points year-on-year. In our EU markets, revenue on a comparable basis increased by 11%, led by a double-digit performance at Kleinerzeigen, Benelux, and Italy. Online classified revenues were up 15%, supported by double-digit growth in mobility, consumer goods, and real estate. Advertising revenues were down 3% year-on-year. Transactional revenue strong momentum continued and almost doubled compared to the same period last year. In line with the top-line evolution, EBITDA improved by 13% compared to the second quarter of 2022. This performance was despite an increase in personnel expenses, particularly in Kleinerzeigen, as we continue to manage and prioritize product development and sales and customer support teams 
in growing business models, for example, transactional services. Transactional costs also increase, driven by higher volumes and by promotional campaigns driven, to, uh, driven or to drive the adoption of the service. We saw EBITDA's margin slightly improve year on year, despite the unfavorable revenue mix. Now I'll provide more insight on some of the, of the four largest markets within the segment, starting with Klein and Zeigen. Revenues grew 11% in the period and reached 64 million euros. This was driven by significant momentum in real estate with further market share gains. Consumer goods with strong performance from the small and medium businesses and in mobility. Advertising, on the other hand, was down 3%, mainly due to the rebranding and the domain switch, impacting 3 PA revenues. As mentioned earlier, we have fully recovered from this impact. <clears throat> Excuse me. Transactional revenues continue to show strong momentum, supported by three shipping promotional campaigns in June to drive adoption. In Spain, revenue grew 7% in the period and reached 58 million euros Contributing to this was the solid performance in online classifieds, up 9% year-on-year, and this benefit from price increases in all verticals, along with product innovation and strong performances in mobility and jobs. The further ramp-up, of course, of transactional, transactional revenues also contributed. Advertising revenues was down 5% year-on-year, driven by the lower vibrancy, mostly due to the current environment. We saw very positive momentum in Benelux, which was back to double-digit growth and reached 43 million euros in the period. Revenue growth in online classifieds was supported by recovery mobility listings and by strong performance in consumer goods. Transactional revenues were up more than twofold, benefiting from the recent product launches. Advertising revenues were down 2% year-on-year. In Italy, revenues grew 20%, mainly by the strong performance in mobility, real estate, and consumer goods, and the, and the continued momentum of transactional services, where revenues almost doubled. Advertising revenues, strangely enough, different to the other markets, improved year on year. This was basically due to the higher pro programmatic performance and new revenue streams that contributed to this. Now let's move on to the international markets which now only includes Canada. Canada showed a 16% year-on-year decline in revenues when you look at it at a constant parameter. The post 16% decline is driven by the currency impact and continued contraction in the vibrancy, both for the online classifieds and advertising performance. Reported EBITDA was stable year-on-year. -year. This reflected the top-line evolu evolution and a slight increase in personal cost in, in Canada offset by prioritized marketing spend and other cost optimization, as well as the exit of non-core operations. Reported EBITDA improved by 10.8 percentage points year-on-year. In Canada, we have a short-term mitigation plan in place to address the performance, and it is really focused on driving vibrancy and sustainable revenue growth through user engagement and reactivation, implementation of price initiatives, and improving some of the ways of working, especially within our PNT priorities and resource allocation. In Brazil, which is not included in our segment reporting, however, we believe it's important to continue to provide the markets with visibility on this asset. 
Revenues improved 4% year-on-year in local currency and reached 41 million euros. This weak performance should be seen in the context of the macro environment, which is affecting our activity, particularly in real estate. EBITDA improved dramatically compared to last year, reaching 23 million euros. This was impacted by positive development in the management long-term incentives, where we reflect a 9 million positive impact due to the revised trajectory of the business, a decrease in marketing expenses, and lower personal expenses, mainly due to a headcount reduction and other efficiencies without compromising operations. The EBITDA margin for the quarter was 56%, excluding a one-off impact of ESOP. The EBITDA for the period reached 40 million euros, representing a 34% margin. Moving to other NHQ costs, which comprises Adventure headquarter costs, global enabling functions, as well as the central product and technology costs. The cost or the, the HQ improved by 3 million euros compared to last year to 45 million euros. In the quarter, we benefited from one-off credits from a hosting of 2 million. During the period, we continued to build up global capability due to the implementation of the new operating models for, for the enabling functions and product and technology teams to drive op operational efficiencies and accelerate value creation. This was more than offset by the larger share of costs allocated to our market to reflect the global team support and work done centrally on behalf of our market. As a percentage of revenues, central P&T and HQ costs were down year-on-year -year at 10%. Moving on to items below our EBITDA. The depreciation and amortization increased by 3 million euros in the quarter, mainly driven by the reassessment of useful lives of certain trademarks. Share of loss of joint ventures and associates in the second quarter increased by 11 million compared to the same period in 2022. This was due to the improved results we see in OLX Brazil. Other expenses amounted to 27 million euros in the second quarter, with the main drivers being the integration costs, the verticalization project, and the rebadding of Kleinenzeigen, which was around 8 million euros of marketing spent. The net financial costs were down 11 million year on year, mainly due to the exchange gain of the loan granted to Adaventer to OLX Brazil. This is denominated in BRL. We saw strong cash flow generation of 135 million euros in the quarter. The main material movement for EBDA to cash this quarter is CapEx of 34 million euros. The CapEx was essentially, CapEx is essentially the capitalization of development costs. It represents circa 7% of our sales in this quarter when compared to our previous quarters of around 6%. This number is slightly up compared to the previous quarters, mainly due to the integration costs, example, cloud and ERP migration, the convergence project, as mentioned earlier by Antoine, and the harmonization of CapEx policy across the group. That said, we continue to deleverage the business at the end of the quarter. We have already reached our year-end target for 2023, and we intend to move towards 2x net debt to EBITDA in the medium term. In the quarter, we managed to repay an impressive 120 million euros of debt, of which 100 million euros 
was for our term loan B, USD denominated, and 20 million euros was for the term loan B in euro. This is in accordance with our financial policy and associated leverage targets, and in line with the strategy to prioritize floating debt. We will continue to focus on deleveraging and further optimize our debt structure to mitigate the impacts of rising interest rates. Our continued deleveraging has improved our debt profile as evidenced by the recent credit upgrades with Fitch and Moody's. Looking now at our debt maturity profile, we also have some ways to go before the maturity of our debt, as we do not have to repay debt before 2025. With this strong position and a good balance between investment and cost control, we believe we have the right ingredients to take advantage of market upswings or have the right levers to pull on the back of further deterioration in market conditions. As explained in previous quarters, we are also taking measures to mitigate for FX and interest rate exposures. Regarding interest rates, we continue to reduce our floating interest rate exposure by prioritizing floating debt when it comes to deleveraging. Our floating debt to total debt ratio is now at 30%. With this deleveraging strategy, our interest expense was roughly, in, roughly flat in the first quarter of the year, despite rapid increases and re of reference rates. Regarding exchange range exposure, we hedge every material transaction and we try to minimize the FX risk by keeping FX, FX cash at operational minimum and by hedging our M&A proceeds where possible. In summary, this quarter was once again we saw excellent operational delivery and performance translating into strong financial results for the group. I could not have asked for a better set of results or financial position for the company to end my tenure as CFO at Edwinter. I take this opportunity to thank our investors, analyst community, partners, and other key stakeholders for your support and positive interaction to the, during the last four and a half years. It has been indeed a pleasure to work with all of you. With that, Antoine, I hand back to you to wrap up with the outlook and conclusion. Thanks, Vashni. In conclusion, we have had a very strong first half for the group, delivering a good financial performance and making significant progress in the execution of our business and strategic roadmap. Thanks to this performance, despite the soft macro environment and consumer confidence, we are able to improve our guidance for 2023. We expect to generate double-digit revenue growth for the core market for the full year. In the second half, revenue growth will decelerate after the very strong first half has and has relapsed to offer comps. We expect to reach the top end of the previously announced consolidated EBDA target range of 620 to 650 million euros. Finally, we will continue to reduce our leverage until year-end on the trajectory towards a net debt EBDA target ratio of 2x in the medium term. Beyond 2023, we continue to see many further opportunities. Our financial ambition for the business remains strong, with annual revenue growth ranging between 11% and 15% until 2026, and EBDA margin between 40 and 45% from 2026. Our priority remains to create value for our users and customers, our people, and our shareholders. I will now open the Q&A session. The rest of the Adevinta management team will join, 
and we are now available to answer your questions. Operator, please. Excuse me, this is the conference operator. We'll now begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and one on their touchtone telephone. To remove your question, please press star and two. Please pick up the receiver when asking questions. The first question comes from Andrew Ross of Barclays. Great. Uh, good morning, everyone. And let me start by also thanking you, Vashni, and wishing you all the best uh, going forwards. Um, I've got two questions, if that's okay. The first one is about used car pricing in Germany, which now seems to be coming down uh, a bit. Um, maybe AJ could talk a bit about you know, what you're seeing in terms of used car pricing in Germany and how this might play through into dealer health and also the ARPU of Mobile into 24, given I think there is an element of that ARPU that is uh, impacted by the price of the cars being advertised. Um, then the second question is about your plans for price increases in France. I think there's one you're lapping in September and another one in January. If you could give us some comfort that the plan is to put pricing up again as normal and any numbers would be very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, AJ, do you want to hand up the first question, please? Yeah, no, thanks, uh, Antoine, and, and thank you, uh, Andrew. Good morning. On pricing, uh, Andrew, you are right. Uh, pricing is starting to come off in Germany. It's, it's the same trend in the rest of Europe as well. And correct, it, it does put a bit of pressure. I think someone needs to mute. Uh, there's a bit of keyboard, a keyboard noise. Um, and that puts a little bit of pressure on, on dealer margin. Um, we are seeing that drop um, slowly. And we haven't seen a massive drop at the moment. What I can tell you is in the US, they've seen a 15% drop. And in the US, it has impacted dealer margins. So we're very conscious of that. That's part of our plans. Um, and this is exactly why we push um, innovation in the business. Uh, and, and at a high level, you know, I must say, um, this has been an incredible year in 2023 for, for Mobile, but it was a year of correction for us. And going into uh, 2024 and 2025, we would return to more normal uh, growth rates for, for Mobile. So that sort of accounts for the change in, um, in dealer margins and prices, etc. Thank you, AJ. Maybe you can give you some flavor of the price increase we have done in France on the, the motors area. Correct. And, and, and uh, Andrew, it wasn't in September. The, the price change was in July in France, uh, the first one, and this, the second one is in January. So the first change was um, marginal. It wasn't on all uh, categories of cars. So the wow. overall impact was... Um, low to mid single digits in terms of increase um, in, in, in average prices. Uh, and then the, the price increase in January is expected to be mid double digit. In, in, uh, thank you, AJ. On, 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 in France, maybe to, uh, to continue on, on, on this country, uh, maybe uh, Roman, you can give some flavor on real estate. Uh, I think we cannot disclose what we will do uh, this, this month because we are announcing to our customer during the next day, but maybe what we have done one year ago that is still valuable? Uh, sure. Happy, happy to do that. Thank you, Antoine. Uh, yes, I mean, so usually we, we follow the, the, the same uh, 
uh, price increases uh, um, every year. In uh, last year, we did a price increase uh, in September, which was the for professional uh, customers, and and those price increases are typically double digit, no? and that's what helps us drive the ARPA growth uh, year over year. And then we also did a price increase in February, more focused towards the private. Uh, um, so we'll uh, so, so we'll probably continue increasing prices as we've been doing in the past. We cannot comment on the specifics, as Antoine was saying, because it will be communicated over the next few days. Uh, but we'll we'll do it business as usual to continue growing the value in the business. That's helpful. If I could just follow up on on the first question, AJ, I think you talked about Immobile going into kind of more normal growth rates in. 24 and 25. I understand there's going to be much less of a tailwind from volumes, but is that also talking about ARPU? So how should we think about the kind of ARPU increase in 24 and 25 relative to the kind of mid-teens increase we've seen in 23 in that context of maybe a weaker environment for dealers? Adam, um, I, I would love to answer specifically, but the difficulty for me is um, we, we want to align to value and we want to see those pressures that dealers face next year. Um, you know, we, we are always going to err on the side of double-digit increases, um, but at the same time, we have to be measured uh, in terms of aligning value. We've, we've just launched uh, new packages here um, in Germany, uh, and, and part of the reason we've launched those packages is you know, upsells will start to get harder next year and the year after as margin pressures come in. So we want to simplify our upsells and make it easier for our sales team to sell, for example. So we're anticipating a lot of this, um, but it's very difficult for me to be very specific now. And I want to leave the team uh, flexibility as well in terms of aligning to value. Very helpful. Thank you. The next question is from Adam Berlin of UBS. Yeah, hi there. Um, couple of questions from me on the German property market first, and then then a couple of just modelling questions. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what your ambitions are for Klein and Zeigen in German property? Um, you know, how big can that business get? Um, what do you need to do to the to the platform and the and and, and the product offering? to kind of become a market leader or, or challenge the market leader in, in, in Germany. Um, and then also, can you talk a little bit about what's happening in the German property market in your view? Do you have any sense of how the transaction volumes are trending year on year? Um, if things are getting better, getting worse, um, that will be really helpful to, to just get your view on what's happening in the German property market. And then um, just a couple of quick modeling questions. Can you give us guidance on the total non-operating costs for the full year? Um, you know, is there more to come, for example, in the Klein Zeigen rebranding? And also, um, can you just confirm, was the reason the France margin so strong in Q2, was that because of a, a reduction in marketing spend? And, and does that mean that, does that, is that just delayed to the second half, or is that like a, a permanent reduction in marketing costs in France? Thanks. Thank you for your question. I think, Roman, you can give some flavor on, on the German market, on the German property market, and then Vlasti will handle the, the two other questions. Sure, perfect. Uh, and thank you, Adam, for the question. Um, so, first of all, on the uh, our position, our ambition, um, I mean, we are currently already the number two in the market in terms of supply. 
uh, and we are the clear leaders in our in the in terms of c to c supply in the market no? and, and and we we have that position already in client science and together with uh, having a global generalist platform we'll be able to improve our product offering uh, and and try to replicate the uh, success that we're having also in Levanqua, for example. No? So, so thanks to the traction of client-side, plus the uh, product improvements that we'll have over the next uh, month, uh, we'll, we'll continue growing the business in, 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 in client-side. We've reached already the uh, 10,000 uh, professional customers uh, mark, uh, and as you've seen, uh, that's been growing steadily over the over the last uh, quarters. And we've also launched uh, last, uh, at the end of the last year new uh, uh, packages that are helping us migrate those customers to more real estate specific offerings. And and those packages, uh, the same as AJ was saying for mobility, will help us increase upsells and increase the value we also deliver to to real estate customers in uh, clients again. Um, so, so we are on the right track to to capture the value the, of the real estate market in uh, in, in Germany. Um, in terms of market dynamics, uh, I mean we we are growing uh, a lot because there's still some room for, to grow in terms of professionals. But the overall market, as as, as we are seeing in other places in Europe, uh, is not going to grow in terms of number of transactions in uh, 2023, but still will be on parity with uh, good years before COVID. No? So, so we expect a decline about 20% versus uh, 2021, uh, but beyond the 2018, 2019, 2020 levels in terms, in terms of, uh, of uh, transacted uh, volumes. Um, we are seeing, as Antoine was commenting at the beginning, we are seeing that uh, there's uh, some shift in demand from sell to, to rent. We are seeing our volumes, or, or in general, the sell volumes in the market increasing and our, our inventory increasing because of the lower liquidity that there's uh, currently uh, in, the, in the real estate market. Uh, and then the move of sell to rent is putting some pressures on, on prices. Uh, and we are seeing about uh, three so, so low single-digit growth uh, in prices in the in the for rent category. And then in terms of the non-operating costs, uh, not that I'm going to, we won't give full guidance, but what I can say to you is that on our rebanding costs, we will see some reductions going into and reducing in the second half. Uh, in, therefore, you know, the, the, the biggest spend has been thus far. On integration and verticalization, we'll remain, but what we are seeing is now a tapering off of your interrogation costs, with the largest spend being this year and then effectively tapering off into next year. And just on, and just on France, margins in Q2, Q and Q being so strong? Yeah, effectively, the uh, France margins, Q and Q, what we're seeing is we're seeing, you know, uh, effectively positive uh, higher growth and, and positive coming out of your verticals, therefore higher contribution in terms of margins. And of course, you know, from a, a marketing perspective, we do have phasing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it, we're pushing up margins with that. It's just about phasing. What I would marketing spend in France, you generally find your Q4 is higher when you look at some of the elements around transactional where we try to push for the 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 you know Q4 season and 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 festive season as well, but ultimately the the main elements of that was the vertical contribution and higher margin. Great. 
Thank you very much. The next question is from Christopher Jonan of HSBC. Yes, good morning all, and uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, a couple of them. First, on Mobile. Um, so I've seen the details of the price increase um, for this October. I think you're moving uh, around 24% higher on the new Platinum package. Um, I'm just curious, uh, can you give us a bit of a sense of what that really entails for 2024? I mean, what percentage of revenues today is coming from the from the old premium tier, just to get an idea of uh, how we, what sort of split we have, and how many people do you expect to move from the current premium tier to the new platinum tier? Um, and then a final one on Mobila, um, does that sort of reshifting of the pricing tiers imply that there is going to be a change in the timing of the price increases or price increase momentum overall? Um, that's the first uh, set of questions. Then second one on Kleinanzeigen. Uh, the business only grew 11% in the quarter. Um, is there any color you can give? Is this, uh, in your view, um, due to the rebranding? Is there an eBay impact um, and, and their shift in strategy? Um, yeah, and is it possible to get any sort of view of how that's developed so far in Q3? I know you usually don't want to comment on uh, current trading, but given we have the uh, eBay shift in strategy, um, it will be interesting to see um, you know, whether this was sort of temporary branding or not. And then a very final, very quick one, um, uh, Antoine, I think a couple of quarters ago you said that there was uh, no talks um, with process on Olex Brazil. Is that still the case? Thank you. Thank you, Christopher, for, for your question. I think on the first one, I will handle uh, this, uh, the, the question about Mobile. As you know, uh, we have probably competitors analyzing what we are doing uh, closely, and we cannot disclose what we are doing, and we can, it's difficult for us to disclose the, the commercial information for, uh, 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 to be very transparent on that. What we are doing now, and what we have done, we have done a 15% price increase. Uh, you are right, we have uh, uh, restructured completely the, our commercial offers. We are continuing to uh, we are continuing to innovate uh, to push our sales force to uh, upsell our customers. But unfortunately, as you can understand, uh, it's difficult for us to disclose uh, the movement between the different packages and uh, how it will be for next year. But as uh, AJ said before, we will continue to increase our prices. We will continue to innovate. We continue to push our sales force to. Uh, serve our customers and to, to increase the, our market share in this market. Um, in Clannans, again, maybe uh, Paul, you could comment uh, the Q2 results, uh, the uh, 11%. Yeah, happy to do so. Thanks, Antoine. And thanks, Christopher, for the question. So uh, let me comment a bit on uh, the overall quarter for Clannans, because it was quite an outstanding quarter, as you said, you touched on it already. Uh, we did have the, the rebranding um, in there. Um, so what we've seen, and you've actually commented on that briefly, uh, and Antoine mentioned it as well, is that um, we did see a small, uh, smaller dip in advertising performance, and that was due to changing the URL. So the way it works is that your advertising partners basically index your page and give you certain quality ratings for the traffic that you serve. And if that comes from different URLs, you're basically being reassessed and the quality of your traffic is being reassessed. So that was an impact, which um, fortunately within the first couple of weeks, also as you, you've actually commented, uh, went back to normal. So um, this is driven um, mostly by this effect in advertising's 
um, that that we saw and the um, uh, the related impression uh, impact on advertising positions. Let me comment a bit more on the rebranding. So the rebranding uh, went very well. Um, so we had uh, a couple of internal assumptions on how it would go. We are actually trending above uh, where we thought we would be in terms of overall rebranding performance. Antoine commented on the strength of the new domain, uh, which is already the sixth uh, most visible uh, SEO pitch in in, client side, uh, in Germany. We've also um, sort of uh, kept our traffic metrics where we want them to be. So the rebranding not only in numbers perspectives, but also from in terms of customer and market reaction and feedback is going really well. The 11% growth is not impacted by eBay. So uh, we do obviously monitor very closely eBay's uh, proposition change and, and their strategy, but we haven't so far seen any uh, major impact on, on us, our growth rates, our traffic, demand or supply. Um, that said, we are, of, of course, cautiously monitoring every move and uh, we are also uh, always ready to react um, if, we, if we need to. Thank you, Paul. And on your question, Christopher, on, the, on, on, on Brazil, uh, as you noted, the, the last 12 months, we have done a, sort of a, a few changes uh, uh, in the way we were managing the assets and uh, in the business side. We have a very strong and good relationship with, uh, with Prozus. Uh, we have a new now uh, CEO in, uh, in, uh, in Brazil. Our goal is, uh, we think that this country has, has, has a potential. We said that uh, mainly on real estate, uh, even if the contact is, uh, is tough at this moment. And on the car market, we think also that the generalist uh, uh, has potential to, to grow on the transactional part. So uh, there is no specific discussion with Prozit except uh, mm -hmm. the fact that we want to, uh, to grow and we want to come back to, uh, to a, a more uh, uh, growth that we, we think that the potential of this asset should be. That's very clear. Thanks a lot. The next question is from Lisa Yang of Goldman Sachs. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. And uh, best of luck, uh, Vashni. It was a pleasure uh, working with you. Um, the first question, I think, in, in general, is uh, on, on, on the second half, on the full year. Obviously, you have raised uh, your guidance on top line in EBITDA. Um, at this point, you still mentioned some uh, moving parts, especially around advertising. So just wondering um, what gives you that confidence to raise the guidance today and what are you assuming uh, in terms of how advertising will develop in the second half? Uh, and in general for uh, the overall top line for call markets, uh, do you still expect basically Q3, Q4 to be up uh, double digit or maybe low, low double digit? Um, that, that's the first question. Um, secondly, on marketing, I understand, you know, uh, Q2 probably seasonally uh, lower in some markets on, on marketing. Um, can you comment on how do you expect that to develop into H2? Um, if you can quantify the, the level of phase, the, the amount of phasing in Q2 would be helpful. And what are the areas of uh, priority for, for the second half in terms of uh, how you want to spend on, on, on marketing? Um, and the third question is on uh, the synergy targets, which you, you have reiterated, but uh, I understand you don't report a separate line for synergies, but wh where do we actually see the synergies being more uh, being more obvious like which line uh, do you do you, do you expect like in the synergies to contribute the most uh, of the rest of the year and uh, into 2024 as well thank you thank you for your, your question I think um, as you notice we, we have delivered pretty good Q1 and a, a strong Q2 uh, 
uh, it's why we think that uh, improving the governance is, uh, is a natural thing uh, for, for, for this year. Um, we, we think that we have a strong top line growth uh, for this year, uh, probably a lower growth for the second half of the year. Um, but uh, we are delivering on motors, we are growing on real estate, we are uh, doing very well on the transaction part, so we, we, I think on, on, on these lines uh, we, are, we are confident on that. Uh, we are more cautious on the advertising part, as you noticed during Q1 and Q2, it was the line that uh, was suffering a little bit, uh, depending on the, 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 the country, but uh, globally uh, it, it's, more, it's more volatile uh, business than the, than the other. Uh, and I think it's why we, 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 we have raised our uh, uh, guidance for the, the, the top line and also on the, the ABDA. Uh, I think uh, we are still continuing to uh, do our financial discipline, uh, but, but also we have some seasonality depending on the, the quarter. Uh, we have more transactions, more advertising during the Q4 before the Christmas period. So uh, I think we are reasonably positive. It's why we say uh, that at the top uh, uh, end of the range, uh, 650, uh, and we are at this moment uh, confident to reach uh, this, uh, this, uh, this trajectory. Maybe on the Q2, Uvashni, uh, you can comment on the, um, the question on the, the marketing and how will be the, the outlook for the H2 and uh, where. Yeah, so in terms of marketing, as we rightly point out, you know, we've been super cautious in when and how we spend it and spending it in areas where we believe we're really pushing in terms of top line. We will continue to be cautious, but we will spend marketing where we believe that it is actually going to drive uh, our top line or it is going to protect us in the markets that we are based on uh, competitor positioning, etc. We don't anticipate, though, you know, it accelerating over and above where we are in H in, in H1, but we, we do expect that at some point in time, especially in Q4, because we do have my higher marketing spend seasonality in Q4, et cetera, that we will increase it. But, um, you know, we'll continue to be super cautious, Lisa, but we've provided the guidance and we've provided the upper end of the range because we have confidence that, you know, where we see the position of the business, where we've seen the pricing increase are, we will be able to deliver on those outcomes. Is it answering to your question, Celina? And on the on the synergies, I'm just wondering oh, yeah. which uh, yeah. yeah yeah and synergies you know, we have them embedded as we said previously. Our targets include our synergy targets embedded within that. It's really in some of our cost lines when it comes to some of the way we and how we spend marketing. <laughs> is also embedded within that. So although we may be seeing reduced marketing spend, we're actually getting you know, high efficiencies out of our marketing based on some of the synergy and, and, and concentration of some of our contracting and some of our pricing that you've come to. We're still up, you know, effectively pulling in our operating models and we're seeing some of that efficiency coming through where we're centralizing some costs, we're, reducing, we're doing that with lower number of the people and then we're allocating those costs at a much lower rate back into the market. So some of the margin improvements you see in our markets on the cost line actually are coming from the synergy deliveries. So that's where you'll see some of that. And of course, uh, the acceleration of some of the uh, revenue lines as well in, in transactional as we take some of the learnings, some of the product development that we've already seen in likes of France, et cetera, pushing into that into our other markets as well. There's more to come as we, uh, as we further uh, enhance our uh, product and tech delivery and, and structuring around product and tech. 
So Lisa, you'll see it in cost lines, you'll see it some in the you know in your revenue in your revenue lines, but overall embedded within the uh, targets that we have at this point in time. Okay, thank you. The next question is from Pete Koala of Morgan Stanley. Hey, it's Pete from Morgan Stanley. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, the first on mobile, uh, there was one question already on the package structure, and I understand you are kind of not, not giving too much details, but can you say that does this new structure, does it have the car price component in it as the current pricing does, or have you taken it out? Uh, that's the first question. I'll ask the others after that. Okay, maybe NJ, AJ, you can you can answer to to, to this one. Yeah, uh, Pete, I just want to clarify the question. Do you mean um, in terms of do they charge higher prices for higher priced cars? Value factor. That's the yes. question. Yes, the value factor. Is it still included in the new new package structure? So we 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 haven't got rid of value factor. Value factor is still still there. Um, the thing about packages is simply simplifying. Uh, the ability for our sales team to, uh, to, to do upsells with our customers. Unlike some recent reports, actually not a price rise. Um, so, and, and we're not pushing it in 2023. We're testing in 2023. And then in 2024 is when we actually start selling these packages. Uh, but value factor remains. All right, thanks. And, and can you give some commentary on like what are the key features that dealers want when they are considering an upgrade? So in, in the current package structure, like what are the features that drive people to upgrade to the currently the highest, which is premium? Yeah, um, I mean, at the end of the day, the most important thing for dealers is visibility. And what we've done in 2023, and even, even previously, we've concentrated a lot on making sure that every, with every package, visibility for the dealer increases, therefore value decreases. And we've been... Um, very, very careful about ensuring that there are differences between each level of package so it's linked to value for the dealer. All right, then I have two two more. Uh, the second or the third one is on Lebanquan, the transactional revenues uh, and the EBITDA from those. So looking at 2024, should we expect Lebanquan to break into positive EBITDA on the transactional revenues. I know you already were at positive EBITDA in Q4 last year, but I'm talking on a more sustainable level into positive EBITDA. And do you still have the, I think it was roughly 20% margin target by 2025 for transactional revenues. Is that, is that still valid? And then lastly, on, on buybacks, uh, what do you think about buybacks? Are you because you're looking to reduce leverage now to two, two times EBITDA in the medium term. But with cash, after, after that deleveraging, what are you going to do with cash after that? Is the main focus on organic investment, or do you think there is room for buybacks in 2024 or 2025? Thanks. Thank you for, for your question. I think uh, maybe, Paul, you can start by giving some flavor on the transactional business in, uh, in Le Bon Coin. And I will, the, I will comment the, the financial part if you want. Yeah, happy to do that. Um, so let me talk a bit about the profitability of transactions. So um, what we've seen is transactions is growing across all of the markets in France, obviously, as well. 
the profitability that you're alluding to is highly dependent uh, on a few things. Uh, one of the key drivers is our promotional activity. So promotions are a very strong tool for us to drive the adoption, but they also reduce the profitability. So it's sort of a fine-grained balance uh, that we're striking there. Then um, obviously there is a few pieces that we are working on to increase the profitability of transactions, not just in Le Bon Coin, but across the group. Um, so there is a few, namely on the product side, which are bundles, for example, multi-item purchase, shopping cart wallet, all those are features that help us um, change the uh, profitability footprint of transactions. Then another piece that we look into is the automation of customer support. Um, that's a big driver, so simplifying the processes that are related to transactions and automating them to a higher degree. And then obviously we are always in close contact with our payment and shipping partners to sort of negotiate and find the most effective and efficient way to, to collaborate. So. Uh, we are on, on, on our path uh, in terms of increasing the profitability, but it's also something that's going to take uh, a while in terms of our sort of long-term goal uh, that you mentioned. Uh, we haven't changed that. Uh, so uh, we believe in, in sort of our long-term goal. Thank you, Paul. Uh, on, on your question on, your, on, on the buyback, it's difficult for us to comment that. We, we said during the, the last quarter, uh, again this quarter, that we continue to deleverage. This is our top priority at this moment. But, but uh, in the future, we'll assess all the opportunities to increase the, the solidity uh, of this company and to be sure that we continue to, um, to improve our financial KPIs. But uh, honestly, at this moment, uh, focus on deleveraging and uh, that's the, the top priority for us. If I may add, uh, Antoine, it doesn't preclude us from looking at you know, share buybacks at a later stage. I mean, ultimately, we want to deliver value and to the shareholders in the best possible way, of course. If, they are, if liquidity improves uh, and also the fact that there may no, not be other value accretive opportunities, for sure, one of the options will be on buyback. But in the shorter term, I think it still makes sense for us to deliver, considering the rising interest rates and also considering where we, we, you know, the amount of savings we've had to date. Just to give you an idea, on a year-to-date basis, we've already saved about 10 million euros of, um, you know, in, in, in interest costs just by this, the, the, the pay down of some of the, the debt we've done this year. Uh, I think it's been a circa, you know, 30 million from the time we started to pay down uh, debt. So it, it makes absolute sense, increasing value and EPS as well. All right. Thanks, Solomon. Uh, thanks to Vashni also, and all, all the best going forward. Thanks. Thank you. The next question is from Marcus DePeel of JP Morgan. Yeah, hi, everyone. Um, many questions have been answered already. Just one on AJ. Obviously, a lot of discussion on pricing, and I understand yeah, you don't comment too much, but just I, I think we just want to understand what you think are, are sensible levels for, for the slowdown and growth. Obviously, the slowdown we can all expect. But at the flip side, I mean, the 25 euros that you disclose for, for the listing is obviously just a fraction of um, car dealer gross margins. So could you maybe tell us a little bit more what you think the share of listing fees is, is actually the share in, in gross margin, is it 25 to about 1,000 euros? Is that, is that about right? Or how do you actually see the, the share in, in, in the gross profit, just to get an understanding um, how much you, you can really increase pricing from here? Thanks. 
Uh, Marcus, uh, thank you. It's, it's, a, it's a good question. And um, I mean, there, there's several factors involved in, in understanding gross margin. Uh, you know, the, what, the number that you talk about can't be taken in isolation because there is a time to sell. Uh, so you've got to take that number and then work out how, how much time is it taking to sell a particular car. And the time to sell is different in the premium segment versus the lower segment. So that, that's one factor. The other factor is our market share because dealers are not just paying us, they're also paying others as well. So there's a combination of all of that. But even, even when I consider all of that, I clearly believe in the mobility opportunity. There is clearly room um, for uh, for further growth, and and that's that's the reason I'm here in this job um, because I see see that opportunity. So by international standards, um, we are still one of the lower monetized uh, assets around the world, and and that uh, that um, room remains. Um, but we've just got to be cautious around the economic circumstances that are coming next year and and that's where we'll we'll measure it and we'll link it to value but that long-term opportunity absolutely exists okay thank you the next question is from marcus heiberg of seb thank you for taking my uh, questions i have two um so just following up on mobile and looking more on the the listing volumes because last quarter we were waiting for used car transactions to pick up in germany and what we've seen over the past few months is that they have actually picked up um and, and how do you see that impacting h2 volumes on mobile and also more broadly what's the sort of normalized level of listings on mobilia uh, from where we are uh, today? That's the first question. And then secondly, following up on, on the synergies, of course, we're seeing personnel costs increasing, but we're seeing that being offset by, by synergies. How should we think about 2024 uh, versus 2023, just looking at OPEX, excluding transactional costs, et cetera? What is sort of your expectation for the cost base in 24 versus 23? Those are my questions. Thank you. Ajay, do you want to handle the first one and maybe Uvashni the, the second one? Yeah, no, thanks, Antoine. And yeah, thanks, Marcus. On um, on volumes, we've seen a decent increase, as you've seen in our results. Um, we have actually continued to see a slight increase since then as well. So Q3 um, is slightly up on even the numbers that you've seen on, on Q2. Uh, but we're now starting to see a more flattening trend. Um, so from here onwards, I expect Q4 to be more flat on Q3 in terms of volumes and 2024 to be flattish as well. Um, and that's that's probably a good way to think about volumes. All right. So you don't see sort of any – so the, the level we're seeing in volumes now is the normalized listing volumes for Mobila, you think? Well, there's a little bit of upside coming in Q3. Um, and then, uh, then we're seeing uh, a more of a flattening from there on. Okay, thank you. In terms of uh, cost base for 2024, we do not look for, provide forward-looking guidance. But you know, remember we have provided uh, mid to long-term guidance on our margin profile, and ultimately our synergies are embedded within that. So, and we will be looking to you know progressively improve our margins relative to that guidance. So that's how I would look at it at, at the stage. All right, thank you. The next question is from Adrian Desane, year of Bank of America. 
Hello, good morning everyone. Hopefully you can uh, hear me. I just had one question, uh, Otwan, if that's okay. You, you kind of touched on that. Um, <clears throat> advertising revenues have, uh, or the growth has slowed down between Q1 and, and Q2. Uh, where does it go from here? And if you could perhaps discriminate this between France and Germany? Yeah. Uh, hi. Uh, I think uh, what we said, so yes, you're right, uh, the advertising uh, revenue are suffering. As you know, uh, it's the more the most volatile market we have, uh, and the reason is that uh, we don't have yearly deals or uh, just a few, and we are a slightly more dependent on the OEM uh, spending. Uh, the, the trend now is that uh, Germany is doing better than France. France is suffering more, and the reason is more than the French market uh, is suffering on the, the classic uh, display ad. Uh, also, the inventory is uh, switching more on mobile than uh, in the past, which is good uh, for, because it's, uh, it means that the marketplace and the usage is very good, but as we have less format on the mobile than on the, the desktop, uh, the reason is it's why the inventory uh, is, uh, is going down slightly. Uh, so it's why also our strategy is to better control the way we are selling advertising. It's why we are switching from 3P to 1P, so we want to control directly uh, the, the commercialization, the sale of our uh, inventory. Uh, we want to, in, uh, to develop the retail media offer. Uh, we want to optimize uh, our, uh, our, our prices and our, the way we are yielding our inventory. So really, we, have, uh, we are focused on that. Um, that's the situation. But uh, you're, you're, as you noticed, the, the, the German market is, is reacting better than the French market that is suffering slightly more, but in France, the, the, the part of the advertising business is, uh, is, is uh, uh, lower than in Germany, right? In Le Bon Coin, the advertising part of the revenue is, uh, is below 15%, which is not the case in Germany. Great. And in terms of the second half outlook, so are you assuming that second half is similar to Q2 or well, what's the yeah. underlying assumption here? Yeah. I would say it will depend on the macro context uh, and the, the, how the inflation uh, will be contained or not and how the consumers will react during the, the end of the year. Uh, but uh, the advertising market, uh, I think, uh, is going uh, pretty okay for the GAFA and pretty okay for the video format and uh, uh, the retail media. Uh, but most of our uh, inventory that we are selling is more on the, the classic display. So we are cautious on this market still. Uh, we are not expecting uh, any uh, rebound or any recovery. It's why we are thinking that we need to restructure the, this business in the future. It will take some time. Uh, and uh, and uh, this is a market we try, this is a market line we try to contain. Super. Thank you, Antoine. The next question is from Martin Maradon of Odo. Hi, uh, thanks for, for taking my question. I, I have two, actually. Uh, my, my first is on Canada. Uh, when could we expect a growth recovery in Canada? And is it fair to expect Canada's sales performance to be up in uh, 2024? And also, is there any fundamental reason to think that the asset will continue to grow significantly less than the rest of the group going forward. That's my first question. And my second question actually is on the 
Le Bon Coin Wallet uh, Initiative. I was wondering if you could maybe give a little more uh, detail on that. Uh, what are uh, the main takeaways since you launched the product? Is it helping transaction volume? Do you have any ideas of further monetization? And do you have any plans to integrate similar products to, to other platforms? Thank you for your, your question. I will take the, the first one on Canada. As you know, uh, uh, the Canada asset uh, has faced some, uh, some issues during the last uh, quarters, uh, last year. Uh, that's an asset that uh, we want to uh, revitalize. Uh, we are doing some changes there, uh, and, uh, and I think it will take some time, so we are not expecting any recovery uh, on this asset uh, uh, during the next uh, quarters. Uh, regarding your question of the, the selling the asset, we uh, we have done a, a strategic review last year. We have stopped this uh, this strategic review. So now what we try to do is to uh, stabilize this asset, uh, revitalize this asset that are some some opportunities in uh, in the Canadian market, and we will uh, uh, think later what we will do. But uh, so far the, the focus is really uh, executing, focus on the operation and. Uh, Uh, to try to revitalize this, uh, this asset. On Le Bon Coin uh, asset, Paul, do you want to handle this, uh, the, the, this question about yeah. the... Yeah, thanks. Yeah, sure, of course. Um, uh, thanks, um, so, thanks, Martin, for the question. So let me just uh, give you a bit more color on the, on the wallet. So the wallet is uh, a very powerful tool, uh, sort of in the toolbox of transactions for mostly two reasons. First of all, it's a strong driver for loyalty. So customers that use the, the wallet, you know, they, they retain their funds within the platform. Uh, and that's something that helps us to sort of strengthen the overall ecosystem. Uh, and it also helps us with trust and the brand perception of, of users. Um, on the other hand, um, wallet is also something, and I mentioned it already in the context of transactional profitability. So the wallet helps us to lower the transactional costs that are associated to each and every transaction that we facilitate. So um, it's, it's good for us and it's good for our users. Um, we've seen the adoption in France since the launch continuously grow. Um, so a lot of users actually make use of the wallet uh, day to day. And to your question on whether we plan to scale this in further markets, yes. Uh, so we are absolutely looking at that, and we're in the progress of sort of planning to roll it out in further of the European markets. The next question is from Catherine O'Neill of City. Great, thank you. Um, I've just got one question. Um, I wanted to ask if you could provide a bit more detail on the. Um, convergence of the generalist platforms in terms of the implications there, what, what you're doing and what kind of duplicate cost there is that um, we should think about in terms of efficiencies. Hi, thank you for, for your question. I think uh, uh, what we said during the last uh, month is that we want to simplify the way we are operating uh, uh, our, our tech, I would say, uh, uh, generally. Uh, it's why we decided to save, uh, to, to start by Le Bon Coin at the Cloud and Sagon uh, to, to join and to build together one a single platform. The idea behind is to grab some opportunities, right? It's to be focused on delivering better uh, products for our users, especially on the transaction side, and for our professional customers on real estate, on, on, on motors, and combining it 
uh, and, and we will be able to deliver more value for, for them. Uh, and regarding your, your question, I think it's, it's too early uh, stage, but uh, uh, our, our focus now is more to uh, gather the team and when we will have completed this, um, this, this merge, then we will be able either to uh, optimize uh, our workforce or uh, to uh, dedicate uh, teams to uh, further opportunities, right? So that's the thing that we didn't decide, but probably we'll do both. Uh, but uh, the focus now is really to gather the, the two teams and to be sure that uh, we'll have a better product in, in all of our generalists in the next uh, quarters, next years. Okay, thanks. And what what kind of time frame in terms of how, how long does this take before you have have more idea about the sort of efficiency around it? And yeah, I understand your impatience. I'm, I'm quite impatient as well, but my experience on the tech world is that uh, uh, it's very difficult to, to plan when it will be delivered. Uh, uh, we are already working on this convergence. Uh, and in parallel, we are continuing to deliver added value for our customers. We are not stopping what we are doing. On the contrary, uh, it will be a progressive rollout, uh, but it's very difficult to, for, for us to guide on the, the planning when we know uh, of course, we will, uh, we will communicate, but uh, I think it's too early stage at this moment. Okay, great. Thank you. Good, good luck, Yvashni, with, um, with your next steps. Thanks, Catherine. The next question is from William Parker of BNP Paribas Exchange. Hi there. Thanks for taking my questions. Much appreciated. Um, and apologies for a big connection. Um, cuts in and out. Um, so firstly, uh, just to come back on the exceptional marketing costs, it sounds like the message is less than 10 million for H223 and thereafter no more. Um, secondly, could we just uh, talk through the drivers of some of the ad weakness we've seen? Um, to what extent is it cyclical, the structural backdrop of the ad market, or are you tailoring your customer experiences away from advertising towards a more transactional focus. So any color there would be helpful. And then just lastly, um, to come back on AJ's points around in the inventory outlook, if I look at where inventory for Mobile is today, it's, it's a double-digit percentage below where it was pre-COVID. Um, could you just kind of explain to us why uh, it shouldn't return to that level? Is it um, the you know, bad gross margins being that dealers need fewer cars, just you know, any kind of explanation would be helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I suggest you take the first one, Vashni. Yeah, just in terms, uh, well, you're referring to the uh, rebranding costs, exceptional, correct? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah certainly the rebranding costs uh, will certainly be lower uh, in, the, in the second half than the first half, uh, because you know, this quarter was the, the highest spend level that we would, would have expected. It will be tapering off in, Q2, in Q3 and Q4. So it's certainly lower. On, on, on the advertising uh, trend, if I understand correctly your, your question, uh, Will, uh, I think you know that, that this market is more volatile than uh, any other market in our portfolio. Um, what we are doing now is that we try to contain this uh, advertising business in some of our uh, assets, like in France, for example, but also in the other market. We want to accelerate and to be more uh, e-commerce style than uh, depending, dependent on the advertising. 
And on the advertising side, what we want to do is to switch from a 3P to 1P. It means that we want to, to, to be less dependent from an external partner and, 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 and controlling ourselves the, the, the commercialization of our advertising. Uh, it, so it means that the link is strong between the advertising business and the transaction business because in the future, as we will increase more and more our transactional business, we will plug on that uh, some retail media offer because the link is, is strong uh, and we know that uh, that's the best practice. Uh, uh, we have benchmarked with most of the uh, biggest e-commerce uh, giants in the world uh, that they, they sell themselves their advertising, they are pushing retail media offer in their own listings. This is what we, are, we, have, what we have started to do. And I think that would be uh, not short term, as you know, because it's, uh, uh, it needs some uh, investment in terms of product and tech, but we we'll use the current resources we have. But that's the right thing to do. So switch from 3P to 1P, acceleration of the retail media development, and controlling uh, the, or, or, or pricing on, on that to, to, to continue to yield directly our inventory in France, in Germany, and across the portfolio. And for the third, maybe AJ, you can give some color on on the goals. Yeah, yeah. no, thanks, Antoine, uh, and th um, thanks, Will, for the question. So, a couple of things, Will. Um, one of the things we are predicting and we're seeing in an analysis is longer term, we will see um, a lower volume than pre-COVID levels, even by 2025, 26. And and there's there's few reasons for that, but one of the reasons is um, the the change in habits uh, as well. Um, over the time of the supply crisis, a lot of habits have changed for consumers uh, in terms of not. Uh, owning two cars, in some cases owning one car, so we see a reduction um, coupled with uh, you know some take up in subscription. For example, in Germany, that's six percent take up in subscription, uh, in, in, and those kind of factors are limiting the longer term full recovery um, of uh, two pre-COVID levels. But there is still recovery to be had. Um, and we still predict recovery in 25 and 26. The reason we are cautious on 24 is the new car orders that you've been seeing probably have been hitting out of the park 20% up in, uh, in most of Europe. Uh, but what you're seeing is a backlog of deliveries coming through at this point. Um, we've done a lot of uh, talking to our dealers in Germany, in France, in Spain, in, in many, many places. And the universal is the new orders coming through right now are very, very low. In, in most cases, negative 20%. So I expect new cars to drop um, quite a bit in, in, in the next six months in terms of the, um, the number that's reported. That has then a downstream impact. So for example, you can imagine the number of one-year-old cars in 2024 will be less because number of new cars will go down by 20%. This year, uh, and and this is this is this is the mix that's making us more cautious. There was a lot of fleet conversions in 2023 as well, and those fleet conversions are not going to be happening at the same rate in 2024. Thanks, AJ. I suppose the flip side would be that it should be a good environment for pricing, at least for the dealers. Um, I think that's pricing wise, we're seeing moderate declines here compared to the US. Um, so it's still a reasonable environment. 
Many thanks. The next question is from Sylvia Cuneo of Deutsche Bank. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I have three questions still. Um, first, on the growth guidance, could you help us put together the message on the growth outlook for the core market in 2023? Since in Q1 and Q2, you delivered 15% and 14% growth, and you mentioned an expected slowdown in H2. Does it mean for the full year you might end up somewhere around 13% growth? Just trying to understand the magnitude of the upgrade from the low double DG um, guidance that you had previously. And then second question on the shape of the portfolio. Obviously, you are now focusing on integration and driving organic growth in the core markets and efficiencies with the verticalization strategy. But if you could think of a particular vertical or country where you would like to expand potentially inorganically, what would those be? And then um, a final question, if I may, on the traffic trends and what you think they mean for the consumer confidence in your markets more broadly. The trends were positive in all of your platforms despite the soft macro. And do you expect that to continue to be the case in H2? Um, just wondering whether you think this traffic would convert more or less to inquiries and transactions. Thank you. Yeah, I will handle the, the, the first one. I think uh, what I say is that we have done uh, an H1, to be honest with you, uh, better than expected, uh, thanks to Mobile's uh, performance, uh, and that was very good, and, and it was boosted at the same time by the performance in, uh, in terms of uh, price, boosted by the price increase that Mobile had done last year, plus the the recovery on, on in the car listing in H1. Uh, so regarding the H2 revenue growth, uh, I think what uh, what we think is that uh, the, maybe the comparison will be stronger uh, in, in H2, especially in mobile. Uh, and uh, but as you know, we have some seasonality on this market, and we have some seasonality on advertising, on transactions. So it, it, it's why we. We think that uh, on this market, we could have some, some adjustment, uh, and we are always cautious on the consumer confidence uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, mobility in France, for example, uh, as the current lack of orders registered uh, by dealers is, is softer. Uh, but really, we are overall positive for the, for the full year. It's what we say that will not be a low double digit. Uh, I don't know if we will be close to what you said, but we said it will be not low the budget. We don't have visibility on the advertising market that could change a little bit the, the trend, but we are comfortable uh, for the rest of the year uh, at this moment. Right? This is what I, what I said, what I think uh, for the next, uh, the next two quarters. Um, regarding your question on the portfolio, uh, this is, as you noticed, we are very focused now on the EU5 uh, Canada. We want to, uh, to be good on this market. We have plenty of opportunities, and I would say that even more focus on in Germany and in France. Uh, we, have, uh, 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 we have started a, a big transformation, a big tech transformation. In parallel of that, we are continuing to deliver more, a lot of added value for our customers and clients. Uh, 
Uh, we don't have any geographical uh, target new country in our, in, our, in our mind at this moment. Uh, of course, if we have opportunities, we will have a look on it, but that's not the, 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 the priority. And regarding your last question on the traffic trend, uh, you're right. Uh, we have a po po positive momentum at this moment. That's the result of the last months of investment in our product uh, that is improving a lot, especially on, on the two verticals, real estate, uh, motors, but also on the transaction. So that's very uh, positive. We think that we will continue to have uh, a, a good uh, growth on that. And the reason is that uh, uh, with the context, our uh, different platforms, our different brands are very helpful for the consumers to uh, do some of the good deals uh, and to, uh, uh, to, to, to find the right product for them. So I think uh, the, it's an opportunity of this part for us to continue to grow. And the, what we notice is everywhere our brands are, are improving because uh, our, our marketplaces are, are uh, more and more efficient and closer to the, the consumer expectation. Right? So that's why we are, we are positive on that and we are uh, optimistic for the rest of the year. Thank you. Mr. Juto, there are no more questions. Back to you for any closing remarks, sir. Yeah, so I would like to thank you again for the, the, the comments and good questions today and uh, looking forward to, uh, to see you soon. Thank you very much.